time again for Doc Jacques, your Addiction Lifeguard podcast. I am Dr. Jacques de Brukert, a psychologist, licensed professional counselor, and addiction specialist. If you are suffering from addiction, misery, trauma, whatever it is, I'm here to help. If you're in search of help to try to get your life back together, join me here at Doc Shock, your Addiction Lifeguard, the Addiction Recovery Podcast. to be real clear about what this podcast is intended for. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes, but not considered help. If you actually need real help and you're in need of help, please seek that out. If you're in dire need of help, you can go to your nearest emergency room or you can check into a rehab center or call a counselor like me and talk about your problems and work through them. But don't rely on a podcast to be that form of help. It's not. It's just a podcast. It's for entertainment and information only. So let's keep it in that light, all right? Have a good time, learn something, and then get the real help that you need from a professional. It's Doc Jacques here, ready to talk to you about something that is extremely important right now. In this age of the coronavirus, we're working on year two, closing in at the end of year two for the coronavirus. And what we are seeing in the addiction world is uh, the effects of coping with what is being referred to as COVID burnout. I am getting call after call after call after call in my private practice for people who are looking for help because they have been drinking and being destructive and some of these people are um, people who have never had a drinking issue before they didn't even grow up with drinking as a kid and I find that kind of interesting because most of my clients previous to this were coming in the door and were either openly admitting or were easy it was easy for them to kind of pinpoint a source of addiction in their families Uh, mom dad Uh, mostly mom or dad had drinking issues or drug problems. Sometimes it was a sibling, but um, it was easy to to identify. Well, now what's going on is not so much that is it is just people using it as a coping mechanism. And certainly people are using other things as coping mechanisms for COVID burnout, fatigue, COVID fatigue, or whichever term you want to use for it. And that is the issue of um, coping with, things that are not easy to identify. It's really quite interesting. They um, have experienced the sadness and frustration of isolation, working from home, isolation from friends, family, the problem of not being able to take vacations or go places where they normally would, plans being changed or canceled. And now we're going into the, the end, the, literally the end of the second year. In March, the lockdown began. And so moving in on 2022 and hyper vigilance and hyper excitability caused by the media just bashing us over the head constantly with news of doom and gloom and catastrophe. And people are starting to get completely fed up with it and um, they're getting sad and frustrated in a personal way. My uh, my own 
experience with it here in the Virginia area, right outside of Washington, D.C., is continued cases of it. But the problem is once a person gets it, they either get extremely sick or they get barely sick at all. Sometimes they don't even get sick. They just have it, and the antigen test shows that. But the outcome is that they get really fatigued with all the doom and gloom and bad news and hiding. And now we have people that are uh, isolating for so long that they don't even know how to socialize anymore. And so we get all these extreme behaviors that are now being shown to us constantly on airplanes and in restaurants, and we've now come up with different names for people who completely lose it. Uh, Karens, um, I forget what they call guys, but uh, it's just you get you get to the point where you're just burning out on all of it. So what to do? What to do? Well, apparently, the what to do is start day drinking or smoking pot more. Uh, we just legalized it in Virginia, and uh, we're opening the floodgates for all the chaos and craziness that happens when people have free and easy access to yet another drug. So what what, we, what am I seeing across the country? What am I picking up from people? Well, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter what state you live in. Some are worse than others. And uh, so we get people who are living in Texas and Wisconsin and Ohio and New York and Georgia and Florida and on and on and on and on and on. And they're having these problems of use of chemicals to try to help alleviate the problems. One of the things that is uh, really troubling is that um, it's also a, a decrease in what would be considered normal activities. So people don't get to go to the gym. They don't go to movies. I don't know when the last time I even went to the movies. Probably four years ago. Uh, movie theaters are closed. Restaurants are problematic and now you got people, we've divided the country into the those who mask and those who don't, those who vaccinate and those that don't. We've got this duality within our society. And we've got even now, it's gotten to the point where people are starting to um, spy on each other and report each other. This is, you know, this is what they do in totalitarian governments, uh, whether it's the fascist in Italy or the Nazis in Germany or the communists in uh, Cuba. It, it just doesn't matter. Venezuela, you got, you know, Argentina. All these governments that have, over time, have used uh, one citizen against another. And now that's happening. So it's just, it's freak out time. And we are a country that loves our freedom. And we, we uh, celebrate it and rejoice in that. And, and we're surrendering it. And so... People are starting to get really unhinged about it. Um, so, the answer that people have come up with is to engage in drug usage and alcohol usage. So, how do you know if what you're experiencing is COVID burnout or COVID fatigue or lockdown fatigue or lock, lockdown burnout? Um, telltale signs. It's like with any other form of, of uh, depression or anxiety is, uh, are you preoccupied? Have you lost sleep? Are you sleeping excessively, eating excessively, not eating? Are you starting to find yourself not engaging in what would be considered normal for you activities like 
going and playing golf or tennis or talking to people? Do you avoid the phone? Do you avoid responding to people? Um, do you spend time uh, isolating in your home? Have, do you go for days uh, without going outside? You know, we've made it possible for that too. Amazon, Walmart, Uber, Uber Eats, um, you, you know, you name it, you can buy it. You don't even have to actually leave your home anymore. And if you're working from home, you can buy groceries, toiletries, games. I mean, anything. You can buy anything online. I buy car parts online. I buy motorcycle. I ride a motorcycle. I actually ride several motorcycles, but uh, I order my parts. <laughs> I can get stuff on Amazon. Motorcycle parts. It's the craziest thing. Um, so anyway, do you, do are you isolating at home and do you not leave the home? When you leave the home, do you feel anxious when you get in the car, when you are around people? Does being around people make you feel anxious, upset? Are you hypervigilant? Are you... Um, concerned about going out to the point where you decide not to go out to go to the grocery store to go where you're going to encounter people these are the kinds of things that would lead you to an understanding of feeling depressed or anxious if you are and you feel anxious you feel uncomfortable because for me that's the number one thing right i use i use drugs and alcohol because i'm uncomfortable i don't like feeling uncomfortable so i use and then the usage makes you feel uncomfortable. So are you using chemicals as a means to deal with the fact that you feel uncomfortable? And if so, how frequently and how much? And is it something that you normally would have done? Or is this now a new habit? Is this a new thing that you've picked up? Finding things that make you feel comfortable is a natural part of our existence. That's what we want to do. We want to pick something up use something, buy something, be with somebody, talk to somebody, go do some activity. Cause we, we, you know, when you feel anxious or depressed, get up and go to the gym, take a walk, go talk to a friend, go play some cards, go get in the herd, whatever your herd is, right? That's, that's us dealing with feeling uncomfortable. So when we feel uncomfortable, we do something so that we can feel comfortable, normal, natural reaction. And that's fine. To have that reaction. What's not fine is that it's something that is destructive and destroying your your relationships, your life, your health. And so how do we know when it's gotten to the point where it's a problem? Uh, good question. Typical things to look for. Um, alcohol consumption. Let's start with that one. Are you drinking in any way? more than you normally did previously. And I'm talking to people that are listening to this who are not normal drinking people. You know, they might have a beer once a week or once a month, a glass of wine here or there with dinner, that kind of a drinker, a, a very, very light social drinker. If you were that, and now you're drinking several times a week, thinking to yourself, ah, what the heck, I'll have one. And then uh, yeah, it's a day later, ah, I have another one. If you went from one, two a month, maybe one a week, and now you're drinking every other day, okay, it has become a problem. And for alcohol consumers, it does not go from I had one a month to I'm drinking every day starting at 12 noon. You don't make that leap in a single step. You don't. 
You absolutely don't. But it's been two years. So if you started picking that up, and the, the cocktail at the end of work, I'm using my finger quotes, at the end of work, and you're working from home, the end of work can become two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, I, I know people who work from home, and some of you don't work a full eight-hour day. You just don't. And I'm not faulting you for that. However, if you have done that and you're filling the time with drinking, then it's become a problem. And I talk to my clients all the time about this because it's like, yeah, but what else am I going to do? It makes me feel better. Well, the problem is if you have a tendency of you lean into the direction of addiction, it then rapidly becomes a problem for you. Rapidly being it's been two years. Maybe this has been going on for two years, a year and a half, a year. Now it's not twice a week. It's every day. And then it's four o'clock and then it's two o'clock and three o'clock. And pretty soon you're just drinking because you can drink. And it takes a long time to get there. So with alcohol, did you make a change to try to help you cope with the problems that you have in a way that you didn't do before? And if so, you already have a problem. You need professional help, meaning you need to start talking to somebody. You need to start seeking out therapy. And I don't even care... I'm not a big proponent of like these um, phone session therapy things because I just, it's, I don't think it's effective. Uh, the texting phone. Well, I can text my therapist. I can call my therapist and set up an appointment. If that's all you can do, great, then do that. But I'd rather it be at least virtual, visible, like some kind of session where you're online with a person and there's a camera, there's a person there. At a minimum, that. Um, I was not a big believer in that until I was forced into doing it, and then I learned how to do it as a therapist. But you need, like, professional help in that way. Don't, and please, for the for the love of God, would you stop substituting a yoga instructor for a therapist or a life coach for a therapist? They are not therapists. You need a licensed clinician to help you. Those people are not licensed, they're not clinicians, and they're not trained to do this in the way that a professional is, and they really don't know what they're doing. Uh, it's like going to a somebody who's a part-time gynecologist, but they're not a gynecologist. They just, they've read up on it. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't go get your teeth filled by somebody who's a uh, who's read up or, or took a certification course in dentistry and go have them do a root canal on you, you know? These are, this is a dangerous thing for untrained prof people to present themselves as mental health professionals when they are not. So stay away from them. It's, it's bad news. Um, but you need help. If you're drinking to that degree, you need help. So get the help. And you don't have to feel ashamed of it. If you, if you can do this early, then you don't have the, the problem of I lost my job, I lost my spouse, I lost my license, I lost my house because of my addiction. Um, let's, let's get it early. You have an addiction. It's just, it's an abuse rather than a dependence, but you're abusing it. So get the help. I talk to people in my practice who walk in the door, phone me up and they say, Hey, look, I need some help. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And they tell me basically what I just told you. And it's like, okay, well, let's start working on it. And I am a trained clinician that has multiple licenses in, in multiple States. And I have training 
postgraduate, post-licensure training, specializing in addiction. And so when I'm talking to somebody, I'm actually coming from a clinically trained background in that way. So I can help. And we start moving in a way uh, in, in the sessions where they've never heard the things that I'm saying to them. They've never explored the things that I make them explore. So that's the kind of help you need. So get that help. If you're drinking and your drinking pattern has changed, you really need to do some reflective thinking and figure out, did it change? And is Because if it changed and it increased, it's probably going to continue to increase. And that's, that's where you don't want to be. You don't want to be where it's continually increasing. So get some help and get it in a way that's going to make a difference. That's, that's for drinking. If you had a drinking problem before and now you're drinking again, you know that you should be going back to the rooms. You know that you should be going back to your therapist. So stop being so arrogant and proud and stop giving in to the enemy that's trying to attack you and kill you and get some help. Get the help that you need. If you if you were a drinker if you and you stopped and you picked it back up, it's okay. No shame, no harm, no foul. You know that. Just go back into the rooms. Everybody there wants you there. So do that. And if you are new to the world of drinking, understand that usually people wait until it's way too late and they're way too far into it to get the help that they should have gotten in the first place. So learn from that mistake. Learn from that. Or listen to me. Or just follow my advice. And get it early. Find a different coping mechanism. If you're a drinker, find a different coping mechanism. Find one where it involves another person, a clinician who can help you and talk to you and lead you a different direction and give you some things to work through those issues, whatever they are. I know it's hard to find people today. I know it's very challenging and difficult because we are overloaded as clinicians. You may call 10 different people and get one return call. Do not give up. Make that call. Make those calls and get in there and get some help. Okay. When I come back after this brief message, we're going to talk about drug usage instead of alcohol. So hang on. I wanted to give some free advertising to a couple of my friends, Dave and Ashley Willis. Dave and Ashley Willis are with a group called XO Marriage. They have a book that I use all the time in my practice, and I highly suggest it for those of you uh, who practice faith and are struggling particularly with sex addiction or pornography addiction, or you know, you can generalize that to other addiction. They have a wonderful book called The Naked Marriage. And um, they were so kind as to put me on their podcast, and um, I really did appreciate that. But I really do believe in what they are doing. And there are a million books on recovery out there, and addiction, and um, suggestions, and treatments, and all kinds of things. But their book, The Naked Marriage, and it's been out for a little while now, um, really a wonderful book. Get a copy of it. You can still get it on Amazon or your local bookseller if there is such a thing anymore. <laughs> the Naked Marriage by Dave and Ashley Willis. Great book. Go get it. It might help.
and we're back so let's talk about drug addiction and the pandemic and how you experience that well it's the same as alcohol except completely different because getting high on drugs is a different experience because you have to get your hands on the drugs and that usually involves something that's a little devious sneaky or illegal usually um so the difference is getting access to the drugs of choice that's really the only difference um so somebody who is suffering from drug addiction, um, it's a little bit of a different issue, especially if it's something like heroin or fentanyl. Um, there's a high risk of overdose. And um, what I have experienced here is that people are doing uh, drugs and they're overdosing and they can't get access to uh, Narcan. So then they end up dying. Or they're taking a fistful of pills and just overdosing because they've taken too many pills, which has happened a few times with some of my clients. Um, so the issue is, what do they do when they're experiencing an overdose? Well, they usually die. And that's the risk. So if you are a drug addict and you are in the isolation mode in your experience in life, um, that's the risk. And you know what? That's a bad risk. So, So what do you do about that? Well... First thing is, it's the isolation thing. Um, it's a vicious cycle, and you're turning towards a drug of choice, and you're trying to get high to relieve yourself from the discomfort of that. I understand that part, but you've got to really kind of force yourself into using some other coping mechanisms. So get back in the community, man. Get back into the recovery community. Um, start start going to meetings call your sponsor call some friends call you know understand that this whole pandemic burnout thing causes people to feel very uncomfortable and if you're a drug addict and you feel uncomfortable you're just going to use your drug of choice so getting away from that drug of choice is really really hard and isolation is the enemy um it's the tool the enemy is using rather it's not the enemy but it's the tool so get out of isolation. Start circulating among people. And if you are high all the time over the last several months or a year or whatever, and that's your life, I, you're probably not even listening to this podcast. You may be, but probably not. But if you know somebody who is in that position, the, the biggest thing you can do is get them out of isolation. Force them into uh, the open view, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I know it's been very hard for people trying to get into recovery, um, going into rehabs or trying to get into sober living. It's very, very hard. And I do appreciate the fact that it is hard, but at the same time, you got to do something. So let's do something. Let's do something different. But do remember that it's not a lack of activity. It's not a lack of... Um, job it's not a lack of education taking part in education those are distractions from recovery they can help you in recovery give you something to do with your time to keep you you know safe and i guess if nothing else um it's pretty darn easy to find work today because there's a shortage of, of employees everywhere so if you can find some way that you can fill your time Yes, but fill your time and do it in a sober way, in a, in a clean way. Do that.
but let's get back to basics. That's the most important thing. Like get back to your basics. You know that you need to do certain things to mark, start working towards recovery. So get back to basics, meetings, sponsors, detox, rehab, do that, do that. And you'll get there. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. This is Dr. Jacques de Bruker. I am a specialist in addiction and recovery. And I really want to thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast and you listen to the next one or go through the archive of older podcasts and find something that might be of interest to you. If you have questions for me or you want to get more information about recovery and how to do that, you can reach me through my website, wellspringmindbody.com. Just straight wellspringmindbody.com. I'll be more than happy to answer your questions and help you get sane, stable, and sober. It's not how many times you fall down that matter. It's how many times you get back up and you only got to get up that one last time. So thanks for listening, and I hope you listen to more of these podcasts. And I'll catch you on the next one. See ya.